0: Everybody to another episode of Ace on Music. I'm joined, as always, by my trusty producer, Mark, and my assistant, Sean. Hello. Today, we're going to have part two of our interview with Donnie Whiteman, who was has uh, worked with Aerosmith. He's worked with Ringo Starr. He's one of the top tour managers and road managers in the business. And uh, this time, we're going to talk a little bit about his time with Ringo Starr and his all-star band. All star band
1: I mean, I'm hanging with a beetle. I mean, I, talk about stories and you know well, but it. even the stuff that I hear you know from from Ringo, you know some of it is like, you know, wow, it's you, you catch him in a moment, moment when he you know wants to talk amongst the guys and and you sit there with your jaw open and,, wow, I'm listening to history and you know and feelings of you know being a, a kid and you know in 1964 and, and um you know just it's just mind-boggling at the same time he's like like my uncle and you know i i you know take a bullet for him and uh, just you know wonderful human being and again you know it's he he called me because he was told you know i was the kind of person that would you know him and his wife would be comfortable having me take him out in the road, and that um, was 11 years ago, and I'm still doing it. So
0: I'm glad you brought up Ringo and and uh, and you worked with with his band, the All Stars, for a long time now. And now, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't it like in in order to be a member of Ringo's All Star Band, you had to have had a certain number of 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 hits before uh, with, you know, with other projects before joining Ringo's uh, band. Isn't that how it works? Yeah.
1: His, his criteria, you know, number one is the instrument um, that he needs, you know, whether it be, you know, keyboards or, or bass or guitar. And the other thing is he, you know, you, you had to have sang, been the primary singer on, on three big hits. And that, that's kind of, um, How he, you know, at least in the last 15, 20 years, before when he first started, um, he, he had huge bands, three drummers and, and, you know, 12 players. And it was more, um, you know, being out with the guys and, and having fun and making music. Now he, he really enjoys just being in a band. He doesn't want to be the band leader. Um, he shares the spotlight. When those guys are doing their, their their hits, he gets up in the kit and you'll see him up there. And as I know you came to a show in, in Vegas and we did that residency with him. Yes. Um, he's, the first thing you see out of him when he's on the kit is the, the, the teeth. He's smiling ear to ear and looking around and, and just taking it all in and, and enjoying those guys have their moments. You know, they're all front men from their own bands. They're all... You know, certified rock stars. You know, Steve Lukather. You know, Greg Raleigh, Todd Rundgren, Colin Hay, Brent Gouldman. I mean, it just goes on and on. Richard Page. Um, but you know, and you know, one of the things he'll say will be after a show uh, if we're in the gym. He'll, he'll say at least once or twice a week, "Hey, the boys having fun." He, he wants to make sure everybody's happy. You know, everybody's having a good time. There's no, nobody's got issues or problems. And, and you know, I try to address any that there the are. So he never sees them because he just wants to play. He loves being in a band. And, um, but, you know, just blessed, just really blessed to be part of that for all these years.
0: You mentioned the residency that uh, Ringo and the All Stars did. Sean and I went and attended that show, as you mentioned. And, one of the things that blew my mind about it was when they would do each each guy, as you said, they had to have been the singer or, or perform on some major hits, and they play mm-hmm. those they play those hits as part of the All Stars. And when when like when Greg Raleigh was doing those Santana tracks, oh, it was man. like, and Luka is such an amazing guitar player. You know, he's yeah. he's, he's definitely in the ranks of, of a <laughs> Carlos Santana, and, right? Right, and uh, sure. It was just, it was like, I never got to see that back in the day. And it was like, I felt like I, I kind of did now, you know, <laughs> you know, watching, yeah, I mean, watching that yeah. whole set to me was like smoking a joint without smoking a joint, you know, <laughs> <laughs> just yeah. watching Mr. Mr. And, and and it just gives you a rush of like nostalgia. Yeah. And 20
1: hits, 22 hits. And you know yeah. every song and, and you sing along and, and there was no filler, you know, it was all, you know, and Ringo did his ten or eleven, and you know, a yeah. plan. You knew them all. Photograph and it don't come easy. And submarine. And, right. You know, little help. I mean, it just goes on and on. Yeah, I know good that stuff.
0: I know that Lucather is is good friends with one of the artists that I work with, Mick, Mick Box from uh, Uriah Heap. They're always changing, and mm-hmm. so I've I've uh, I've got to hang out with Steve a few times and and get the lowdown. He's on a piece
1: him. of work. He,
0: but what a funny guy! I mean, he's, <laughs> he's nobody's he's a really yet.
1: cool guy, man.
0: Did you see that video that he posted on YouTube a few weeks ago when no. he was oh the leaf blowers? Oh, the leaf blowers! It was amazing. These leaf blowers in the neighbor's yard were going off at um, you know, oh my god, in the o'clock in the morning. And so he got he went he took his amps outside, cranked it up, and just gave them some of their nice. own medicine. <laughs>
1: It was amazing. How do you like that? He screamed oh. at the end. <laughs> I, I've been hearing about the leaf blowers for 11 years since I first met out. <laughs> you know, this is, this is nothing new. Oh, my gosh.
0: <laughs> well, one Great are the guy. One Great are the, guy. Just one of the questions I had about the All-Stars, I mean, when, you, when you're when you dealing with somebody like Ringo Starr, arguably, you know, one of the most recognizable and, and biggest rock stars in the history of rock and roll, the guys who are there in the All-Stars with him, they're all named players, no doubt, but, I mean, he's a Beatle. Like, do, is, is, it, is it very much uh, separated, or is he very much part of...
1: No, I mean, you... you um,
0: We all stay in the same hotel.
1: If, if, you know, and, and it's going to be nice. It'll be a Ritz. It will be a... You know, it's always a nice hotel. Um, we, we lease a nice aircraft, so these guys aren't in tour buses, and uh, we're all together... And um, sound check every night, uh, guys sit down and have dinner together. Uh, Ringo will come in catering with the guys and hang out. and They'll all swap stories. And, you know, he's got that wit that, you know, you saw in Hard Days Night when he was ad-libbing it, all that great stuff. He's, he's a sharp nut. I would never get in a battle of wits with, with Ringo's stuff. He'll kill you. I mean, he's just, he's nonstop. He's great. And he gives it to the guys and they give it back. And, um, but, but there is that, that respect. I remember, um, you know, when Greg Raleigh came to the first rehearsal 11 years ago, I was the Richard Page band, um, Todd Rundgren, uh, Luke And I remember Greg was like a nervous wreck. Now he's two time rock and roll hall of famer, you know, co-founded journey in Santana that's right um, great guy we call him the Duke because he always wears cowboy boots and you know he lives in in the Austin area and um, we would go to the gym every day you know ringo with his you know either myself or one of the other guys um, from our team and every morning at 10:30 well the guys hear this so they all want to make their appearance none of them are gym rats but like he, he, he is but they want to make a good impression. So, the, you know, second day we were at rehearsals, Greg Raleigh comes in and he's got a tank top, top on and he strolls in. He's, he's got, like, jeans on, but he's got cowboy boots on in the gym. And he's, you know, walking <laughs> around, and, you know, throwing weights around. And, you know, nice. <laughs> Ringo gives me the eye, like, you know, like, get a load of him with, the, you know, because Ringo's got the nice, you know, sweatsuit on and, you know, he's, he's a professional gym goer. Wow! And um, the next day, I was I was downtown. We were at SIR in L A, down West Hollywood there, and um, I walked across the street to get some sneakers. And who's in the sneaker aisle? But Greg Raleigh, picking out these obnoxious green, lime green sneakers that he you know wore for the rest of the tour at the gym because he he wanted to fit in. He wanted to be you know one of the guys. And um, but yeah, we had a lot of fun. Great guys. And, and, and again, you know, they, they were all in a band. There's an old band later. You know, obviously it's Ringo, but um, those guys get up there and they get to shine. And great audiences and um, just a lifetime of memories and good friends.
0: You know, one of the things that I found rather interesting was after the show, um, we went back to see you and most of the band was still there. And I guess I, I shouldn't be surprised but I mean it's it's a fairly regular thing after a show for bands to have kind of a post-mortem on the show that they just performed talk about yeah
1: it. Well, it, yeah but, you know and it's funny to mention that you know we a lot of times we'll do a runner and you know a runner if you do a festival and you're the last band you're you're out you you go from the stage to the, the, the cars and to the hotel because the traffic at, at those kind of places is terrible. So we do the same thing. We we get in a van and head to the plane or head to the hotel, and and the guys every night the guys will critique. You know they'll critique their own performances. Now, Lucather, who's played on over two thousand records of other people and a lot of huge hits. If he played a missed note, he'll be he'll be down in the dumps and he'll apologize to the whole van and he will slap him on the back. Oh oh I played this one, I played this, you know. And then they all start, you know, talking about their mistakes. But they you know, I mean these guys are all superstars in my book and here they are talking about a missed note and you know, taking responsibility. That's that's pretty cool. You know
0: That's exactly what my point would have been, you know, is that I sat there and I'm kind of overhearing it as I'm talking to you and I'm saying, these are like world-class players and you know, yeah. I guess they still drop a bum note once in a while.
1: <laughs> yeah. I remember um, um, Elton's band came over one night and we went to their show and on our night off and they all came over and and same thing, you know, somebody played a note, they apologized to the, you know, the Davy Jones and, and, um, uh, um, uh, Oh, God, I'm losing. Them. Greg Bissonette's brother was a bass player in, in, in Ringo, uh, Elton's band. But they, they were apologizing. Oh, geez, you hear that? And it's just it's just great to see, you know, that these guys, like, really, really, you know, want to perform. And, and not just for themselves, but for the audience. They hate they hate making mistakes. None of us hear it. We wouldn't know a, a, a missed note or a dropped note or You know, one bar of music out of key. And neither, you know, the audience doesn't either, but these guys, it's very important to them. um, They put their best show on every night, even though it's every night.
0: Well, it certainly comes across. I mean, um, one of the guys who was in the All Stars, I don't think he currently is, is Todd Rundgren. And. Yep, Todd, yeah. I originally met him oh, I met him the first time you introduced me to him on one of those uh, Rock Legends cruises that we did and it turned All out All right, yeah, man. Yeah. It turned out that he was staying in the the room right next to mine and I ran to you. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? Like he he always came across to me as rather intimidating. You know, he was very standoffish. Obviously a very intelligent man, but we happened to both come out of our rooms or come back to our rooms at the same time and we were at that awkward moment standing there beside each other trying to find our keys and stuff and, and he started up a conversation and we ended up standing in that hallway for about a half an hour chatting about all kinds of stuff and I just found him to s- suddenly transform from this rather aloof kind of reserved guy to this just incredible fountain of stories and and uh, one of the best half an hours I ever spent in my life so.
1: yeah, and you say the intelligence he's he's um very well read and I mean he's always doing crossword puzzles when you know when we're traveling uh, and just you better have your facts straight if they, if you are giving an opinion and he's in the room because if you're off you know, he'll oh no no no. He's very bright and uh, again very well read. Great guy, very talented. Plays everything, every instrument.
0: Oh, I know. And,
1: um, plays them well.
0: And not only an accomplished artist on his own, but has produced some of the greatest records in the history of rock and oh, roll. It's bad out of hell. I mean, it's he.
1: You know, he, he took the points on that. He he saw something in that and uh, used his own money to fund that project. Those guys had nothing. They had, you know, the, the original team. They were humming, humming parts to him, and that, you know, they they sold them on just, you know, humming, <laughs> you know, <laughs> a storyline for the record. And and he he went to work and yeah, he's a very big part of that whole project.
0: Yeah, I think it was um, Meatloaf himself who told me a story once when I was talking to him um, at a festival or something where I ran into him and I asked him about the the song Bad Out of Hell and the you know that part towards the end where it's suddenly the motorcycles revving up and all that mm-hmm. and he told me that that was simply them going through the final mixes and then him saying oh gee, you know him turning to Todd and saying wouldn't it be great if there was like the sound of a motorcycle revving there and Todd just reached over grabbed his guitar and went kind of like this and just and played the yeah. piece that's on that album <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome so. Yeah now, Sang a lot of the high notes, too. Yeah. He's got a great high voice, yeah. Now, one of the people that's in the All-Stars that uh, I've never had the opportunity to meet, but I would like to one day, uh, he's a fairly new member, and that's Colin Hay from uh, from, uh, uh, met, from Colin, Minute Work. Yeah. What What can you tell me about Colin? What's he been like since he joined the, uh, the All-Stars? Well, you know,
1: he came in um, two or three legs ago, and um, he took actually Todd's spot and Richard Page left, and him, uh, Colin, and Grant Goldman came in to play bass. And Colin, um, just a great guy. Another dry wit, um, always practicing. Every time you see him, he's got a guitar in his hand, and he's doing scales and and practicing his, his uh, vocal warm-ups. And um, he, he still sounds like the records from the, the Men at Work stuff. And, um, just... Um, our first, our first leg. We're up in Vancouver, and and I, you know, he said, "Hey, can I take you to lunch?" And I said, "Sure." And and you know, he just wanted to pick my brain on the operation and how how he should act and and um, you know how he should carry himself, and um, just a, a lovely guy, and told me some writing stories. Of, you know, when he wrote, um, "Who can that be now?" His family had left Scotland and moved to Australia. And he got to be about 17 or 18, and he decided he wanted to get out in his own. And he got an apartment in a seedy part of the town, and every night, you know, he'd, he'd go to bed, and two or three or four in the morning, he'd hear this at the door, and he'd pull the sheets up over and, you know, say, who can this be now? <laughs> you know, and it, it, it was there was a drug dealer living next door, and they'd always knock at the wrong door. And you know he was petrified in his bed, and that's where he got you know the the hook line for that song, and he wrote wrote a great song, big hit.
0: I never knew that around story. That experience, <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. Well, yeah. I, I'll tell great, you one of, great song. One of the most surprising performances, and I know Sean, you and I talked about this when we saw the All Stars. Was I have to be honest? I wasn't all that familiar with Richard Page's work. I mean, I knew the big hits from Mr. Mister Mister, mm. but he was a revelation in that show. I mean, that was one of the absolute highlights when that guy took the, the center stage. Oh, I agree. Amazing
1: voice.
0: Amazing voice. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, now he's had a few other kind of interesting side jobs you told me about, right?
1: Yeah. We were, we were on uh, well, the band was they were discussing, you know, mailbox money, you know, you get a hit or you get your residuals and, and, you know, stuff that comes in the mail forever. You know, that monthly check that, you know, they all love. And, um, you know, Todd had just gotten finished telling us the bad out of hell story. And then Richard just, you know, I think we are in a van. And he just, matter of fact, he says, hey, you know that Two and a Half Men, you know, the opening song? And everybody looks at him, he goes, that's me. <laughs> and, you know, you know, the men men and a high you know, the climb and, and then when you think of it, like, Oh yeah. You know, you can hear Mr Mister in that in that uh, that climb, that vocal climb. And that's once, him.
0: Once you told me that story and I thought about it, I said, Absolutely, how could I not have heard that before? But yeah. Yeah. Now that's another-
1: yeah, the things, yeah. The people but sometimes, you know, artists don't want to be known to that. You know, they don't want to get pigeonholed or uh, it's commercial, you know. It's too commercial, whatever. But <laughs> kidding me, two and a half men, right? I right. wear the badge.
0: It's me on two and a half men. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I mean, you I, I can imagine the checks he's gotten over the years for that. <laughs> yeah, I know. Mailbox <laughs> money, mailbox money. I'm going to use that term in the future. <laughs> <laughs> um, there was one other guy that you that you have worked with who is one of my personal favorite songwriters. And that's Graham Goldman. And oh, if, if you aren't Logan, familiar yeah. with 10CC, then you're missing out. So, Love 10CC. Now, he played in the All-Stars at one point. Is that correct? Yeah,
1: he he played um, one tour, one U, U.S. tour. Yeah, it was a U.S. tour. And um, he was committed on our next tour to do to a 10CC thing over in Europe. And um, he just... He blew me away. I mean, talk about another guy that still got the, the chops in his voice. And I took him to Berkeley. We were in Boston. Um, we had a show with the Wang, and we had a few few days off. And um, I made arrangements for him to do a um, a songwriting class at Berkeley, Berkeley College of Music. You know, world renowned.
0: Sure,
1: um, Berkeley, um, and um, they you know, love to have them. They obviously knew about them. And, um, so I, I, went, took him to the class and, and I, I you know, I knew, I knew it 10 CC stuff and, and the stuff he did in the show, but he get up there and he started, he had a, he had a, uh, an acoustic and, and he was teaching this class, you know, in a big auditorium and he started going down the list of the stuff he wrote for the Yardbirds, for the Hollies, for Herman's hermits. And I'm, um, plus his own stuff, and I, I I, was floored. I mean, for your love, you know, wow. uh, bus stop. Um, I, I mean, his stuff is amazing. And, and a guy you think he's a, a you know, just a, a regular guy, just never said boo, and, you know, he didn't know how to take us because – You can't be thin-scanned in the all-stars because everybody breaks everybody's chops. It's just a fun. Is it that way in every band? (laughs) And yeah, and and, but he was the new guy, and he uh, he would grab me, and he, you know, do the guys like me? Uh, You know, (laughs) know, it's like they wouldn't be breaking the chops if they didn't like you. You know, that's you know that's part of being in the fraternity, and and, you know he adapted, and and he just started giving it back, and you know in, in his you know, proper British, you know, tone of voice, but, you know, um, we had a lot of fun. Yeah. Talented guy. Amazing. And there's a guy Ringo called. Yep. I'll be there. You know, he's, um, nobody says no. Um, Peter Frampton. I mean, you could go, you know, this is the 30th anniversary coming up. And, and if you went down the list of who's been in that band, it would be flawed. It really would. Oh. Just again, just again, I mean, the, the players over the years.
0: Absolutely. I mean, that brings up an interesting thing. You said that, you know, when Ringo calls, nobody says no. I, that That would – that would lead me to believe that he's probably got some kind of list that he has compiled somewhere of people that he would like to work with in the future. I think he's probably already did that. He's been done with that. He's like, all right, let people call. Well, that's the question I would have, you know, is like, do, do you ever get people approaching him and saying, you know, I'd love to be part of this?
1: You know, they probably do. They probably go through, you know, his, his, you know, private management. Um, but, you know, I mean, I know um, his scheduling. Like he's always wanted Robin Zander. Um, oh, you know, he brilliant. loves Robin's voice, and mm. yeah, and you know, of course, the cheap trick hits, and he plays guitar too. You know, he plays a good rhythm guitar, nice. but it's those guys are road road dogs. You know, cheap trick, yeah, they're always working, so it's never it's never worked out.
0: I mean, Robin's got um, one of those voices that I, I mean. it it doesn't seem to deteriorate at all. I mean, I've seen them many times and he's as great now as he ever was. So
1: yeah, they opened for Aerosmith for a number of years on on a number of tours and, and they brought it every night,
0: you know, just
1: great catalog, great guys. You know, they they love to play,
0: played hard. um, Yeah. Well, Donnie, I really want to thank you for being our first ever guest on this show. Uh, real, well, thank you. Really enjoyed the, for the time. Me, yeah. And uh, and I also want to just thank you personally for everything you've done for my artists and for myself personally. I, I consider you to be a good friend, and I really appreciate it all. And yeah, know, we'll talk again in the future.
1: Yeah, 2021. That's <laughs> a big year for music. Hopefully.
0: Yeah, let's hope 2021. Yeah. Right?
1: <laughs> yep. 2021. It's oh, right yeah. around the corner. Oh yes.
0: And I'd like to thank all, right, all of gents. you. I'd like to thank all of you for tuning in and checking out the show. Remember, we, you can send us your feedback on acetalksmusic at gmail.com. Also, we have the, ex- the exclusive content, which is Ace on Music After Hours, available to our Patreon supporters. You can check out what we talk about after the cameras stop rolling. And until we see you next time, enjoy your music.